This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting here in my apartment with an awesome human being whose name I'm not going to say. Wait for it. It is Bo or Boyan. That's the first name. Yep. And the shocking and humiliating thing about this is he's a good friend of mine. <laughs> you can do this. Come on. But I have never tried to say his last name out loud. I've just read it and then think that I know how to say his name. You can do it. But I'm going to fuck it up. Radakovich. Yeah, you did. I fucked it up. <laughs> say, say your last name. Radakovich. That's fine. See, that's horrible. Yeah. yeah. No, no. It's good enough. It's okay. <laughs> it was not good enough. It sounded like some sort of horrible vegetable the way I said it. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of like a broccoli or something. Is that yeah. what it is? Yeah. A Radakovich stew. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, what would it be? I mean, it's definitely bitter, right? I mean, given, <laughs> given my personality, so, so it's it that. sneaks up on you. Uh, I mean, it's, it's probably dark green, right? Uh, so oh, for sure. It's probably good for you in the long run, but yeah, at first it's like I kind of like. I'm not sure, but sautéed, delicious. <laughs> You've thought about your broth flavor a lot. I haven't until just now, but thank you. <laughs> awesome. And can you tell a little bit, uh, people, a little bit about who you are? Sure. Uh, I'm a game designer, but I'm also probably best known for being the producer of the show Tabletop. Awesome. Which is hosted by our friend Will Wheaton. Yeah, it's great. And any time that there's like, you're watching an episode of Tabletop and there's an actual problem with the game, you yeah. see Bo run in <laughs> yeah, and fix it. Most of the time on the show, like when you actually see me in the episodes, it's because something is wrong, unfortunately. <laughs> so yeah, you see, you see my head come in for Tick to Ride. I come in for... The Lords of Waterdeep episode also. Okay. I'm kind of like in and out. Uh, oh, Takenoko. That was pretty funny also where basically I came in and I, I robbed one of the guests of many points just to be, you know, <laughs> technically the rules clearly state that you can't have this at the point. So, um, yeah. So if you see me on if you see me on the show, it's because there's a problem. <laughs> yeah. In the, the Ticket to Ride episode is the one where Will's wife, Anne, knocked over the entire table, right? That's right. So I'm part of that whole meme where <laughs> I'm, I'm there. I'm the one standing in front counting the board to make sure everything is legit. And then Anne does the Rolex moment. Which we've already spoiled, so it's okay. Um, it's from season one, so yeah, and it's, it's past the grace period. What is it like? A year, right? A year. You're on spoilers. I think that's fair. I was gonna say eighteen months, but both of them, it's both clear, so it's okay. Right. Yeah. So, so you work on tabletop, uh, and you're a game designer. Yes. So this is the question that I like to ask uh, game designers. Okay. Do you think Monopoly is a horrible game? I think Monopoly is an excellent way of introducing people to gaming. <laughs> it's very qualified, right? I mean. Ga- there are several things about games. It's like game design itself is not the only aspect of a game. Right? Right. There's like price, production value, placement, which is really important, and promotion, or it's like cultural relevance. Um, and so Monopoly is really important. It's been around for a million years, actually only 100 years, but, um, <laughs> and it sells really well, and it's basically the first step for people to understand what board games are. So yes, it's culturally really important, and I, I like that as a game in terms of game mechanics. <laughs> It's it has a death spiral, which isn't very fun. Which right. means that once you start losing, you're more likely to lose, and then you continue to lose. And so, really, you should just give up. There's no hope for you to come back if, if like, if you and I are playing two players right. and you have seventy five percent on the board, I can't win. It's like real life. It's really, it's <laughs> right. really horrible. I haven't played in a long time, and then my friend, as a joke, gave me uh, like the Star Wars Monopoly from like mm-hmm. 1997 or sure. something. Yeah. So he played it just as a joke. And it was, like all Monopoly games, like horrible, brutal capitalism mm-hmm. until like halfway through somebody did the pity thing of always like, well, let's do the, the you know, the random chess draw where everybody gets a bunch of money. And like, oh, well, now it's right. now it's like a decent economy and somebody who's going to die gets money. But then, you, it but just then it's prolonged, a horrible game. But exactly. it still prolonged the game. Like you still lost, right? But what I learned from that. No, because everybody gave up into like hour four. Well, then there you go. That's very much like capitalism. It was. Right? It was. It was like <laughs> it a totally really works. Great learning. It totally works until all the players realize actually this is not good for anyone. We all yeah. just quit. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like, uh, yeah. So right. America should just quit. Exactly. Well, I didn't. Yeah. Yes. So it was, I learned a lot about how, why social programs work. Yeah. It was really kind of strangely beautiful in an annoying game experience. Yeah. So I, I, I get it. Right. It's like when people come in. I introduce a lot of players to gaming. Right, so I host a lot of game days. I do a lot of events, obviously tabletop, and so most people know Monopoly or Scrabble or whatever. And so I say, great, you like Monopoly? Let's play Ticket to Ride or let's play Settlers of Catan, because it's like, oh, you know what board game is, but I won't let you play Monopoly. 
where it's like, oh, I like Scrabble. Great. Well, let's sit down and play Bananagrams. You're so you play like, something like it so people learn. Exactly. It's, awesome. It's the step, right? It's the introductory step. So I don't it's let... the marijuana of board gaming. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so, I mean, but there's also, you know, better stuff outside the high school parking lot. So it's like you just you need to... <laughs> Instead of long, boring Monopoly. Yeah. It so, makes people think they're interesting when they're not. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I like it, but... Mm, I probably wouldn't play it if you if you offered. <laughs> awesome. Well, maybe after, after the podcast, we can try to play a quick, brutal capitalist game of Monopoly. So uh, your actual obsession that you're here to uh, talk about is related to gaming. Yes. It is an obsession with maps and infographics. Yes, I'm obsessed with infographics and specifically fictional maps. It's like, I don't understand it. Like, uh, I, love, I love gaming, obviously. It's my passion, but I do like fantasy worlds. I love reading and... For some reason, as soon as they start talking about fictional places, in my mind, I start putting them together, and I will literally stop reading to draw out a map if it's not in the book. And if it's in the book, I will, like, sit there and, like, try to triangulate exactly what's going on, and, um, yeah, it's... I would say it's an obsession. So d- does it enhance your enjoyment of the book, or does it distract from it? Like when you first read Lord of the Rings, and you were just constantly flipping back to the beginning of the book to check the map, did, I, did it make you enjoy the book more? It does. Yeah, so I think... So Will says this best. Like, geeks are known... What, what, what's his quote? Geeks are not defined by what they love, but how they love it. Right. Right, and so I love fantasy books. And so how I love it is by obsessing about the locations, these, like, <laughs> fictional places. And, um, yeah, I mean, I guess... Like, to everyone else, they're like, why would you spend all day doing this? Like, it's absurd. Like, you just, you literally did work to figure out this map. And I'm like, I know, it's awesome. It's, like, so accurate and so good. And, like, and they're like, yeah, okay, whatevs. Like, some people just don't get it. But, like, for me, like, I show my, my love, I guess, through this obsession. So would you enjoy reading annotated versions of fantasy books that took out all of, like, the dialogue or the story and just reported where they went? Like, Frodo sat here, and then he walked 12 miles to X. Would you, like, enjoy reading that? Uh, if, if I could see Frodo check in, like, on a social <laughs> like map. On square. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's like, oh, Rivendell, what's up? You know, it's like four, four out of five stars. Like, you know, the food is pretty good, but where's the meat? Like, I'd be okay with that. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So how... I mean, is it better? No. Would I enjoy it? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and actually, like, uh, it's true, man. Like, even the Santa... Santa tracker, have you seen that? Yeah. On, on Google does this thing where on, on Christmas Eve, you can go on and you can track Santa's locations. And do, you, do you do that on Christmas Eve? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, yeah, I don't, even, uh, I don't even celebrate Western Christmas, but like, it's still a part of my obsessions. Like, there's a map and there's a fictional character and he's moving through this location. I must know where <laughs> he is and how he, how he gets from point to point. In sort of like a gaming map sense, are the rules accurate? Does he travel at the same rate or does he yeah. cheat? No, no. So the way the Google tracker works is he goes from North Pole to South and he basically goes down the longitudes okay very quickly okay and so he'll be like he'll be in atlanta and then he'll be in miami and then he'll be in like whatever bogota and then he'll zip back up and then he'll start up in like duluth or whatever (laughs) and then he'll be in memphis and so on and like he goes north to south um and so in my mind it's wonderful because it creates order right there's like what is this fiction? I don't understand. Like, I don't understand how he travels and what, but like when you see it, you're like, oh, I see. It goes north to south. So do you think that's what it's about up to a point of a wanting to create order? I think it's a, I think for me, it's probably a deeper level of understanding Mm -hmm. because um, as a game designer, like there's, there's a deeper place that the game lives in and from which the game is created. Right. But it's not, you don't want to show everything. Like, the Silmarillion, like, in Lord of the Rings, is nonsense. Like, it's so bad. It's like, really boring. It's super boring, right? They're, it's basically just notes, right? It's, it's his notebook. But, like, you don't want that. You want the actual story. You want the characters and so on. So, But the Silmarillion does show you what the background is. And so modern fiction writers, they don't do that anymore. But they will create a world that's very dynamic and, like, full. And they'll reference things. And so if you're obsessed like I am, <laughs> you can create it yourself. And so I've done that with several of the fictional worlds where I will, you know, I'll check. And I'll be like, really? Is that really how long Jon Snow takes to walk up there? To... <laughs> well, let me check. I'm like, oh, actually, that's, that's about right. So, so do you think Game of Thrones is pretty accurate? 
Um, it's pretty good. Um, that so I read I've read the first three books, which um, for people who watch the HBO show is up to like season four. Okay. Ish. Um, the storylines don't really. I mean, season one and book one they corroborated very well, but okay. now they're kind of like different storylines are going. Different they're all pieces. over the place, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's pretty good. Um, it, it's the world is much bigger in the show because the locations are different, right? Like King's Landing is Dubrovnik, like down in Croatia, okay, right? And like um, the north is pretty much like Northern Ireland or whatever. It, it looks like really. You get the sense that it's incredibly Huge. different parts of the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that's part of it, right? It's like, that's part of understanding it is like, oh, are are the cultures really different? Or like, do the words sound different if they're similar? You know, like it's it's sort of, I don't understand it really. Um, <laughs> I But I think it's definitely stems from the idea of trying to make order and to find depth in this world. Right, and, and you, you, you sent me an email and in, in were showing me that you have corrected some maps. Yeah, so well, of what, course, what, clearly. What's the most egregious, incorrect map in fantasy? Uh, Hunger Games. <laughs> Hunger Games. Uh, so this is this is a book um, that came out several years ago. I didn't really like it at first, honestly. Okay. Like I, I typically re- will read the first 100 pages of anything, and the, it, I started reading Hunger Games, and I was like just really not happy with the voice. It's like this teen girl... And she's really obsessed with herself and like she's arrows. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's a cool archer or whatever, but like, I didn't really like the writing. And and then my friend, Jess Hartley, she's a writer. She said, no, just give it some time. You're going to fall in love with it. And then she meets PETA. And then I realized, oh, it's not about this girl. It's about this world, the relationships. And then I was like, okay, I'm in. Okay. But what's really cool about the Hunger Games is there are these districts, right? So it's known for like basically 13 districts plus the capital. And in the book, there's no map. Oh, there isn't a map in the book. No. I mean, I've seen the movies, and the movies are very hand-wavy about those districts could kind of be there's wherever. The they go on trains, so you know there's some distance sure. to the capital. But besides that, it's just kind of whatever. Yeah, so um, that's, that's what I thought at first, too, right? And then I started looking, and I was like, well, each district is known for certain resources that they harvest, <laughs> right? Or they provide the capital as part of their tribute. And so, after reading book one, uh, no, no, because I went from book one to book two straight, and from two to three, um, and that, that is pretty much, there's now going to be four movies, so that covers all four okay. movies, yeah. Um, but somewhere in book three, I stopped, like there's like chapter break, and I was like, wait a second, because I'm going to spoil a little bit, but there is yeah, like, fine. there is a revolution that happens. And so there are positions and people are moving and things are happening. So it's triggering your war game senses. Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> wait a second. How they walked from here to there or like this ship went from there to there. And like, I don't understand. And so I basically stopped and then I just went through the book and I had a couple rules. One, I said, um, trade is broken down, right? The international community is broken. And okay. so Panem, which is this new nation set in the distant future or not too distant future. <laughs> Depending is, on how pessimistic you are. <laughs> right, right. It's is pretty much North America. Right? Okay. Um, and I'm like, okay, so whatever resources they have are locally harvested, right? So if it says they grow corn, well, they grow it. They didn't get it from like Mexico or something. So you're like inferring that. down to word choice. Absolutely. So you're really going through these books a lot to figure this out. There's not like a glossary yeah. in the back that says no, 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 wait. this district makes corn. Well, I mean, there's a couple things, right? So it's like district one... When they when they do the tribute parade, they're like they're they're covered in gold and silver, right. which is part of what they mine. So I'm like, oh well, obviously District One is gold and silver. So like that's easy. Just look at where the gold <laughs> deposits are and the silver deposits are. Silver is clearly Nevada. Right? That is gold. easy from a certain point of view, like Obi Wan Kenobi would say. Right, right, right. And so so it's like well, it's somewhere between California and Nevada. So let's get a little bit more information. And so two, I I analyze. Who the, dist- who the tributes are. And so I assume because Hunger Games is political satire, that the tribute selection is is representative of who the people are. Right. right? So it's, it's the author's way of talking about that society. Okay. So if, like, say, um, you know, if, if the character is described to be blonde or whatever, then that's characteristic of that population, right? And so part of the controversy of Hunger Games is, is like, one of the girls... Rue, um, in the movie, she's 
represent an African-American girl. Mm -hmm. That's obvious, because in the books, it's totally the way she's described, and she lives in District 11, which is the South. Okay. So it's like Georgia, right? And so I looked at the maps, and basically, I went through every... Every type of person, every type of resource, those are the two things. Because right. like, the tributes represent the people, and the resources represent the, the native territory. And then three, I basically took the book as accurate. Okay. So if Katniss says, I had a dream that I was on the shores in District 7, Right then, I'm like, well, District Seven has to have water next to it because so she says this. In this the book. is a lot of work, though. This is like I'm, I'm imagining I'm, like a serial killer room was, with all of the notes and the strings pinned together. Shall to I? Shall up. I pull up my Photoshop file? Um, <laughs> it's basically yeah. It's basically 14 layers, and what I did is some of the things I didn't understand. Right, so like District Five, for example is known for producing energy. A lot of people put District 5 in, in Texas because it's like oil. So okay, when but you say a lot of people do this, is it is this something that a lot of people have tried to do to construct a map of Yeah, Panam? absolutely. Absolutely. So Panam, there's a lot of, if you search online, you'll find a lot of maps of Panam. Uh, people make all kinds of things and they make all kinds of assumptions like the, in the distant future, the water levels have risen. That makes sense, right? Because okay. global climate change yeah. and so on. But then they look at this map, and it's like, dude, have you actually been to Southern California? Because there's a mountain range there. I'm sorry. Like, I know you think that, like, the ocean's just going to go into Arizona, but there's, like, a, you know. Have you, have you gotten in <laughs> online fights with other uh, Panam map makers? I, I don't. I stay away from that. Okay. But I will tell you that well, I was at New York Toy Fair uh, for work this year, and WizKids, uh, ne- sorry, NECA, has the license for you know producing like hunger games jerseys and like board games and okay, all kinds cool. of stuff and so they have a board game and i was like of course the first thing i did is i turned it around and looked at and looked at the map and i'm like oh my god i can't believe you said that's where district 10 is and i got like so mad and like i'm about to go do a business meeting here right like we're yeah. <laughs> like we're at toy fair which is only which is only professionals and like you know at this convention, like when you take meetings, you go behind closed doors and they show you things and you know you sign waivers and all kinds of stuff. And here I am, like about to have an argument about this fictional map. <laughs> so I had to reel it back. But um, did you bring it up at all? I haven't. Okay. But it's it's as you can tell, it's festering inside of me, <laughs> and that colonel is going to come out and like ruin some conversation when I'm drunk one day. <laughs> I but, want to be there that day. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, so yeah, my my obsession is, I feel like it's the level that the author knows the world. Right. So like when Pat Rothfuss is talking about his fictional world, he clearly understands what it looks like in his mind. And so when I obsess about it and I kind of like map out the journey of Quoth and all that kind of stuff, it's as if I am understanding it on his level. Oh, cool. So it right. makes you feel like you are more inside the story. It makes yeah. the like the characters feel more real because you can Absolutely. imagine this is how much Jon Snow's legs hurt. Right. Because this is how far he walked right. over what kind of terrain. Right, exactly. And it makes it all much more real. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Have you ever uh, got lost in, in real life because you were judging something <laughs> based on a game map? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I... Okay, so... In Ticket to Ride, it's a board game, and it's set in the basic game is set in America, and you know it kind of shows you the distances between cities, and you're supposed to like create maps and so on, like. And so, on the map, it shows L.A. to San Francisco is three train links. Okay, that's awesome. Like in in and it takes about five hours maybe to drive. I know some people do it in four, right? But clearly not more than six. So it's like somewhere each train length is like ninety minutes, maybe. Okay, sometimes an hour. And so I drove the distance from Portland to Seattle, and it's one train link. And I'm like, oh, it's fine. I'll, I'll be there in two hours at, at most. It's like three hours later. I'm like, what the hell is going on? So Why am I not in Seattle yet? What was the discrepancy? Uh, the map is much smaller on Ticket to Ride. And obviously, okay. if I just looked at Google Maps, which is not a fictional map, but like a, a real map, <laughs> I would have known this. But I again, I, I assume that the person who's made the map already calculated all this stuff. Because, Wanted it to be real. Yeah. Instead um, of just save some space between Portland and Seattle. Right, right. Um, Asshole. I know. And then what's really funny is on the 10th anniversary edition of Ticket to Ride, which is just coming out this year, there is a location, I think it's like Bismarck or someplace in the Midwest, where they're like, 
it's not there. And fans got like really pissed off. Like not only is it the distance wrong, but like it's just not in that location. Oh, wow. They and, just moved it for, like, graphic convenience? Yeah, be- just because it's an abstraction. Like, when you're playing a yeah. game or whatever, you can't literally, like, map it out, right? Which is fine. I understand that. But um, And so in the 10th, an- 10th anniversary edition, they have a little note on the map that actually says, this is where it's at. And they actually point to it <laughs> because of people like me. <laughs> the 10th anniversary <laughs> apology celebration. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so you mentioned Google Maps. Um how do you feel? Are you fascinated by like real life maps? Do you like Google Maps? Yeah, and Google View Earth or whatever the hell it is. Absolutely, it's it's how I understand the world. It, it's it's very weird. I think I have a kind of practical understanding of where things are and like how they relate. And when someone says, oh, "I'll meet you here," I don't just assume, "Oh, okay, I'll be there," and I'll just look it up and just I'll just follow blindly. It's like no, I must know the map. So do you when you look up uh, how to get somewhere? Uh, here in Los Angeles, do you look at like multiple routes and decide which yep. one you think is going to be best for you? Yeah, absolutely. And, and also because I have a deeper understanding of the geography, that I can find an alternate that basically Siri won't suggest. You know, like she'll say like, "Oh yeah, just take this road." I'm like, "Really? Through the middle of the day? Are you kidding me? I don't have two hours." Yeah, right? I think so. Siri is programmed to fuck with people. Right. She, I think she likes it. There, there was a time in <laughs> Minneapolis where I, I was driving with a friend who just. He had Siri up on like a little thing by the window, so he wasn't holding it in his hand. Just and blindly following a person who just sort of like knows, like I'm yeah. bad with directions. I really, I, th- this computer is great. I'm just gonna, yep. this is gonna be great. And Siri, for some reason, it seemed like a fucking prank. <laughs> I was waiting for Siri to go like, ha ha, that she just had him like circle the block <laughs> right. near my block right four Five, times 500 feet to the right like wait there's no what how like, I that can't. is a legitimate way to get to my house but it's sort of like he drove straight to my house then circled the block near my house five times and then arrived right. at my house right I, I was visiting atlanta and i didn't know the location very well and so i used siri to find i think i was looking for like no ikea i was looking for an ikea and I'm like, all right, Siri, find the, uh, this is before voice. Mm-hmm. Like, just imagine now. Be like, Siri, find the nearest Ikea. And she's like, oh, there's one over here. I'm like, all right, cool, plot it. And so I drove there because I didn't know the location. I just blindly followed. In what city was this? In Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. Oh, sorry, District 11, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, they so, produce the most Ikeas. Yes. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's clearly there. Um, anyway, so I drive and I get to this location blindly. I'm just following and it's an empty building. Like, Google had registered that Ikea would be there. Oh, but it was, but it like, wasn't open under yet. construction? It yeah. Was, there's just some, like, wooden yeah, and like meatballs it, in there and, and not... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, just some, like, some, some Nordic people just making meatballs. <laughs> um, no, I drove there, and if I had actually looked, I would have seen that I was driving to this, like, empty building, and I didn't because I was just, like, following Siri, and I just drove there, and I looked like... I mean, no one was there, obviously, but I, in my mind, I could see everyone, like, taunting me. You know? <laughs> Making fun of you. Yeah. Uh, do you wish that the fantasy characters got lost more in the books? Like, do you ever wish that, like, Frodo just clearly didn't know how to get to Mordor? Um, yeah, I mean, kind of. Like, that happens where um, people get sent off course. But it's more like the author is trying to use that as an excuse to explore a new world. It's yeah. never, like, by accident. There's not, like, the characters don't accidentally do things, right? Or like, they're, they're never just, like, inefficient. Like, they're never just bad at directions. Right. Like, so many real human beings are just bad at directions. Yeah, exactly. Although, they they have that in Lies of Loch Lamora, um, which is... Is by Scott Lynch, which is awesome. It's basically like Ocean's Eleven, but in like D and D. So it's like <laughs> it's great. Like if you like Leverage um, or Eleven or whatever awesome. that kind of stuff, it's or like the heist. It's it's like that. So he's a con man, and he's like basically trying to get his way. And in the second book, um, Red Skies, sorry, Red Seas under Red Skies, they're on a ship, and yeah, he gets lost, and they basically mess up. But you know. There actually is a map in that book. And so I was like, oh, I know where they are. I see what's going to happen. <laughs> so did you want to be able to reach into the book and say, I can help you? No. So I was like, well, you, you know, you can, you can go through the parlor and save yourself a couple, <laughs> a couple, couple weeks. And then that's actually what happens in the book. And I'm like, yes, I knew it. You know, I'm as badass as Zamira because she knows the world. And I know it as well as she does because I am obsessed with this map as I'm reading the book. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, uh, do, you, do you ever want non-fantasy books to have maps in the front? Like a political <laughs> thriller? Like, 
Um, that's an interesting question. I think it would be useful, certainly, because if you look at some of the infographics that are out there, um, I mean, we were friends online and stuff, but like I, I post that kind of stuff on Facebook all the time where yeah. it's like, people, you know, we should invade Ukraine. And it's like, okay, here's a map. Point on the world where you think Ukraine is. And then <laughs> you'll see that the people who know where it is say we should not invade. And the people who don't know where Ukraine is are like, oh, it's over here. Like, okay, and you want us to invade <laughs> that country? Are you sure this is Ukraine? I mean, so um, yes, I think it would be helpful, certainly. Um, and I mean, and I, I was in Serbia last year, and there was like a hurricane in New York, right? Mm-hmm. And like, oh my God, are you? What's going on? Is your family okay? I'm like, what? They're they're in Southern California. <laughs> this hurricane's in New York. I mean, that's like, oh wow. I mean, they they that's thought insane. they yeah. think they're like it's somehow related, like. L.A. and New York, well, they're really close to each other. They're, like, next to each other or something because, like, in their mind, those are the two important cities. Obviously, there's nothing in between. Sorry, Midwest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's just fine. Um, and so they're like, oh, there's a hurricane. So, obviously, in their cognitive map, they're related and we're in danger. And I'm like, That's, like, in Moscow or, like, in, you know, wherever. I don't yeah. even know, like, in Iraq or something, like, relative to your position. Like, you wouldn't even think they're related, but, like, they're in the same country. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think in general people are bad at geography. Yeah, I mean, that's been a weird thing of moving to Los Angeles because it is a city where, you know, A, it has an, a million little names for things. Oh, like yeah. Every fucking block is like, well, that's technically the eighth block of Franklin <laughs> right. Wuhan. Actually, that's still Silver Lake. We yeah. haven't crossed over to Los Feliz <laughs> exactly. yet. It's like, and oh, people, geez. You, you can put any two words together and <laughs> you can bullshit someone that that's a neighborhood in Los Angeles. Like, uh, oh, I'm just, in uh, Canyon Villa Spring. You know what? I'm going to start doing that. Oh, it's, yeah. I'm <laughs> going to start like, yeah, it's in Palm Vista. Sure, whatever. We should do that. Uh, Let's do that from now on. Okay? But, like, we both live in the same area. <laughs> yes. So, like, when we're at conventions and stuff and people are like, oh, how's L.A.? And we're like, oh, we both love oh, it's Silver just, Hills. Uh, it's, over, it's over through Fire Canyon. <laughs> Silver, Fire. Silver Hills. Silver Hill. Wait, Fire, Silver. Where are we at? I'm in Los Feliz. You're in, like, Franklin Village? Or Franklin Village, yes. So I've been told eight different names for the area that I live in. See, look, when I grew up here, and it was called East Hollywood when I was a kid. And that makes sense, because it's, it's, it's clearly in Hollywood, and it's yeah. clearly east. Right, it's east of the 101. West of the 101 is Hollywood, and north of the 134 is North Hollywood. That all makes <laughs> sense, right? But now, all these like douchebag hipsters are like, no, 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 that's, no, no, this is Silver Lake. <laughs> that over there, that's Los Feliz. Screw you guys. It is. It's just this weird sort of like trying to make identity smaller and smaller. But, uh, but there's so many famous places that you hear about just culturally. Mm-hmm. But I, I only had a little bit of association of how they related to one another. Sure. And I would like the show 24 a lot. So a lot of them was like, oh, yeah, Jack power tortured someone there. <laughs> right. Or I think they blew that up. Or, right. But yeah. my mom has been calling me. And she asks like a little bit about how my actual life is going. But she's far more fascinated about now. Now, where is Beverly Hills? Yeah, right. Is that close to where OJ killed those people? <laughs> <laughs> uh, like what well, kind of mom? But it, it's kind of fascinating the way um, people don't necessarily have it, have an understanding that things are kind of close to one another, right. but not an understanding of how they relate sure. physically, which yeah. like you're saying, then means they don't necessarily understand how they relate culturally if they don't understand right. necessarily how they relate physically. Right. Yeah, I think there was an episode of Small... Smallville, and like a missile fired from beyond the hill in the Midwest. <laughs> what? Have you been there? It's pretty flat. Like, yeah. there's no hill. Like, we I, would all know the hill, right? right. Like, exactly. Like, there was, obviously, that's where the missile silo is. So, it's funny when people don't get it. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, well, it's like this place, so I'll just put a hill there. I'm like, no, it doesn't work. But, I mean, that happens with locals sometimes. I got I got kind of turned around in northern England, like in Yorkshire area, mm-hmm. trying to find, like, it's there is this circle of stones that have been there for a long time that's like Stonehenge-lite. Yeah. Uh, and I was actually being oh, guided by somebody. Hinge, are we? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I was being guided by somebody who kind of knew the area but got a little turned around, and we right. pulled over to ask, like, a native... British person, right. where is it? And she said, "Well, oh, wait, you're it's, a different country, mate. Right. It's just past <laughs> the little brick wall with the sheep by it." And she wasn't 
when she said that, she wasn't fucking around. She was being serious. Yeah, like, that's where it is. This whole place is little brick walls <laughs> with sheep by it. How, that does not help us at no, all. No, but the one with three sheep, obviously. <laughs> what, are, what are you looking at? I mean, She's playing Settlers of Catan with it. Yeah, l- look at the map. It's obvious. <laughs> Come on, man. Awesome. So uh, speaking about the physical layout of real world things. Yes. Do you ever get into like real life city planning and like wish that you could change city planning decisions? Oh my god, that's uh, yeah. So when I went to when I went to school at UC San Diego, I actually started as architecture student. Oh cool. Uh, because back but back then there wasn't game design; it wasn't a thing. So it's like, oh, you're very creative and you're good at sciences and math and stuff. So you should do architecture. And I'm like, great. And they canceled the program immediately <laughs> when it started. So everyone basically fled. And most architecture students actually went to urban planning, which makes sense. And I went to pre-med, which was obviously a giant mistake. <laughs> which turned out great. <laughs> it was a giant mistake. Um, no, no, I, it was actually it was. It was very bad for me. Like, uh, I didn't realize those guys were total assholes. And, like, if you're listening and you were pre-med, you understand. Like, you would knife each other for, okay. for a better grade because everything's on the curve, right? Right, and yeah. it's competitive. Uh, but, uh, but a lot of my friends were in urban development, so they talked about it as well and the trick is everyone wishes for a blank slate right Right. but that's not how that's not how civilization works like you build based on what's there and so i understand how things kind of build and also like in la we have a big problem with sprawl Mm -hmm. like roads and parking and this kind of stuff and that's because early on like in the 50s it was basically decided that the car companies were going to rule this stuff and so Instead of it having a backbone built on infrastructure like public transit or where the fountains are, where the water is, yeah. or where the harbor is, or that kind of stuff, like the old cities used to be built, um, or like where the uh, the church is, or where mm-hmm. the city hall is, or whatever. Instead, we're like, oh, wherever the mall is, right? Those are like the central points. And so <laughs> it's, it's annoying, but those decisions were made, and you can't really go back on them. So, but I, w- I will say that I have made fantasy maps um, where, <laughs> where, like, Bo just pushed up some imaginary glasses. Yeah, as, 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 as visualized my nerd glasses. Um, yeah, so like dwarves obviously would have their shit together. Like they would, they yeah. would plan in advance, and so they would like have cities, and they would have like a backbone infrastructure built in place. So it's like you don't just build a city anywhere. It build it's built along this aqueduct. That makes sense, right? right? Because these dwarves understand what's going on, and, and American. Human urban planners don't, right? Yeah. They just put cities wherever they want. Minneapolis is kind of fascinating because it was an actual fight. Like, though, like the things you're talking about of, like, well, we relate to the resources of why we come here. Right. Like, people came to uh, Minneapolis for the St. Anthony Falls, which is this relatively small waterfall in the middle of the Mississippi, but really tell, valuable. Tell, tell me where it is, like, actually. <laughs> it's, it's in the center of Minneapolis. It's, okay. it's what Minneapolis grew out of. So, Is but, it like a waterfall or is it like Idaho's? falls no it, it was like where it's like this bullshit it was little, like, like a big impressive waterfall back okay. in the day but at the time it was like 50 feet drop in enough to like power yeah. flour mills and that's, oh, yeah. that's why minneapolis is there yeah so it's all about the resources but there was a yeah, federal mandate by that time of good god no more no more boston's we need you to start right. a north south east west grid right but the people who were there were like yeah fuck you yeah. everything is about the river <laughs> right. so there's a chunk of minneapolis that follows the river and then the rest of it just goes yeah like, like goes back into north south grid that's awesome like you actually get that here in la um a lot of it is kind of north south it's not it's not as it's not on the mormon grid like the way phoenix is or, or salt lake city is when, Mor- when mormons came out here they were very adamant about like north south east west and, like, <laughs> they were rigid they're yeah, surprised <laughs> um so actually what's it's nice though if you know how the map works and someone gives you an address you know exactly where it is in the map relative to the whole city it's awesome. like 400 west whatever it blah 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 street i'm like oh i know exactly where that is and you can just go there you don't need a map but um here in Burbank, you know, if you go up there, you'll see that everything is on this like 45 degree angle. And they're just like, fuck you. No, you know what? We're doing it this way. Like, you guys are all north, south. And yeah, whatever. Whatever. We're in your own place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. So you get that here as well. Cool. So I, I like to ask people questions about kind of analyzing how obsessed they are. Okay. So here we go. Uh, do you think about maps and infographics every day? Yes. <laughs> nice. It's how I relate to the world, honestly. And it, it's like I could try to tell you a story. I could try to like convey some information. I can make an argument. Or I can boil all that down into like this beautiful presentation and say like, look at this. 
You tell me what you think that is. Oh, well, obviously this is happening. Well, there you go. Right? It's right. like it's it's such a superior argument that it naturally leads to a victory. So it is a form of communication. Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Would you watch a Ken Burns documentary on maps? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just a camera, no people even talking, just cameras repeatedly zooming in on maps. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, as long as look, as long as overall there was a narrative being told, right? Yeah. Like the editors were trying to say something. And I if I if I could deduce that, yes. As, um, random has, maps would piss me off. Random, you, yeah, you, you would want it to have order. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it was just like, here's a map of Boston. Here's a map of Westeros. You'd be like, why? How do they relate? I would have to understand. Okay. And so like that, would, I would basically pause and be like, wait, who's the character? What are they doing? What are the similarities? Okay. Well, so they're both in the north. Okay. So maybe this is the you know, and like I would do that. Like I would have to like find. Some kind of meta understanding. Awesome. So yeah. Awesome. So does that answer your question about obsessed? <laughs> oh, I got more. I got much. More. Okay, good. good. Uh, ha- have you ever had your mind actually changed on like a social issue by an infographic? Yeah, like I- an actual logic flow. If then. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, there, there is an infographic on people voting Democrat or Republican based on population density of their city. Okay. And there's a there is a point. And it's just that simple. Like after 800, I think it's like, uh, I don't remember the metric right now, but it's basically, if, let's just assume it's 800 people per square mile. Right. Okay. At that point and beyond, you're a Democrat. And below, you're Republican. And it's just how much, how many people you see in your square, square footage. And so the less people you see, the more independent you are, which makes sense. Right, and the more people you see, the more you understand that we're interdependent and that we have to rely on each other. And like the social contract means, if I give you money, it helps me also because we're in this together. Right. And in really dense cities, they're really, really democratic, and very sparse places like out in North Dakota or whatever, they're super Republican. So you you saw an infographic that made you believe that this was true, as opposed to just kind of a rule of thumb no, or no, a estimation. Yeah, you actually, they plot it by population density and how they vote all across America, and you see the line, and then there's like the, the decision criteria, the boundary where you say A or B, right? Right. And there is that point, and you have to make the decision, and it's around whatever that population density is. And at that point, I was like, wow, that is the easiest way of understanding our politics. It's like how you relate to other people. It's not cool. even about your views. It's about how, like, how, many how you other perceive people... the world functioning. Right. Exactly. Cool. cool. Yeah. So that's a very clean infographic that I think changed my way of understanding. For awesome. Sure. So, would you get a tattoo of a map or infographic? <sighs> or do you have? A I don't. Tattoo? I don't. I don't. Have, <laughs> I don't have any tattoos. If I had tattoos, would I? And I think probably yes. So if you, if somebody just came to you and said, somebody you love is going to die unless you get a tattoo of a map on your back, yeah. what would you get? Um, I think, see, I think it would be kind of meta. I think if you saw, if you map the locations of where the tattoos are on my body relative <laughs> to my spine as north-south, uh-huh. then you'd understand that like the eagle represents whatever okay. and the lion represents this other thing and so on like that. So it wouldn't be an actual map, but if you actually mapped it onto knowledge, you would understand that, oh, this is, there's a second layer. So it would be like a guide to who you are. Yeah. Like a key that could be... Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, That's really that, cool. That for sure I would do. <clears throat> like actually having a map of like downtown LA no I don't that's that's, that's bullshit but yeah no, that, no that's, I don't that's, think anybody wants that's that that's too on the nose right? it's like two of gridlock right uh, nobody wants that would you make an infographic for Hitler um I think that's a very good way of understanding the war right mm-hmm. if, yeah. if you if you look at political maps geopolitical maps of the time and population densities and perhaps economic resources distributed over Europe, you can see that when they move into certain areas, they're doing it for specific reasons. And that's one way of understanding the war. I mean, it's a very abstract and dehumanizing way. I think if you add it to people's personal understanding, like their own stories, Mm -hmm. it adds to it. But I don't think you can reduce Hitler to a map. No. Right, yeah. But if 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 you suddenly just time traveled to meet Hitler, and he said, would you make me a map to help me make decisions? I would probably be 
I would probably be on the side of trying to kill him. <laughs> so how, if you were, gonna, I think that's totally valid, by the way. <laughs> if you were going to try to kill Hitler with a map, how would you do it? Would you try to create an inaccurate map for him to lead him into poor decision making to get him killed immediately? So the British did this, right, with the with their uh, part of the Enigma cipher. Right. Um, so the Germans at the time had this uh, crypt, you know, way of encrypting their message and. The British de- deciphered it, right? This is what's led us to the computer age and so on, right. like that. And they would actually give false locations. And what they had to do is make sure that it wasn't tipped off. And so they would give enough false positives, but also they would actually confirm locations. Okay. And so, so they kind of Apple mapped Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. They, they put Siri in there <laughs> into the Enigma machine, and she, she wrecked it for them. Um, yeah, I th- it's interesting. I mean, that's what people fight about, right? Isn't it? Isn't that what people fight about is, like, maps? I mean, everything is determined on maps, right? The mapping the, the yeah. value of a region yeah, and wanting control of a region, certainly. Yeah. But I love the idea that you could quickly kill Hitler <laughs> With the map. Through, through poor map making. <laughs> uh, would you, if you were in a relationship, would you break up with someone who just hated maps? Who just thought, like, maps were boring? If they really didn't understand maps, it would be a problem. <laughs> like, they don't have to have dead reckoning. Dead reckoning is a skill where, like, you close your eyes and you point north. Yeah. Which is north, right? Um, and I understand that, and this, this is one of the ways that guys and girls are different. Dead reckoning is a skill that guys typically have and girls typically do not have. Um, but that, that's just the way the brain's wired up, right? Guys are better at spatial orientation and yeah that kind of stuff and it's, i mean it's not universal because i suck at it exactly and there, and there and there are plenty of women who are great at it like felicia day for example is amazing at maps like she like both in game and in real life she knows maps really well and my friend darren for example is fucking horrible at maps <laughs> like he gets lost all the time even in game like I, we, I remember we used to play world of warcraft together and I, there's a thing called autofollow where you like mm-hmm. slash autofollow and you click on a person and you just go where that person goes right. and you can literally see them like walking around in circles i'm like what are you doing oh my god it's oriented north it doesn't even move like just follow the effing arrow like what is wrong with you so i stopped playing games so that gives me a little insight into how you would feel if yeah. somebody was bad with maps yeah so that relationship. i, I I stopped playing because of that. Wow. Yeah, but you we stopped playing with him, or you just stopped playing World of Warcraft entirely? Like just entirely. control all the lead. It's <laughs> gone. I, I just table flip rage quit the whole thing. I was like, motherfucker. No, uh, no. I uh, Darren and I are good friends still, but like I will not play games with him, and I will not auto follow him. Period. <laughs> I would never make anyone auto follow me in a game. It's, right. I have to play like a first person shooter for a long time. Then I get good at it. Once I know it, yeah. I know it. But it takes me a long time to build to the yeah. knowledge. Well, and the other thing is, like, the way the brain works is cognitive maps, you understand small pieces, and you don't really have them connected. Right. It's sort of like you go to San Francisco, you know that, like, you know, whatever, Soho's kind of here, and Market District's kind of there, and, like, Sunset's kind of there. But you don't really know what's in between. Right. Until you actually, like, navigate it personally and, like, oh, this is next to that. Got it. And like you have a better understanding of the whole city. Right. And the culture there. Right? See? Uh-huh. I'm telling you, right? This is a good way. <laughs> it's a good way of understanding. It's all cultural. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if the only way you could look at a map is if every time you looked at a map and studied it, you first had to be punched in the balls, would you still look at maps? Do I have to punch myself in the balls? Uh, because I would say there's some auto-erotic <laughs> thing that's going to happen, association, because my obsession with maps is positive. All right. And so over time, me punching myself in the balls would actually be associated with... Positive. Yeah. So you and, just start punching yourself in the balls before you did anything you liked. Or like if like, I saw a map or like something came up on like in a video game or like I'm reading a book, I, I'd want to like punch my junk. Right? It's like... Or I'd get turned on or something. I don't know. It's like it it would uh that would be really disruptive on tabletop or when you're running an event like All right everybody let me show you this game. <laughs> oh. Did you just punch your junk? <laughs> a little bit, sure. Right. I just need to touch it. This I just so need to touch it. You would find a way around that issue is what I what I what I hear. Um if you had to punch me, or if I had to be punched, like basically I had to be punished out of it. Is that what you're trying to suggest? Like well, could I, you punish out the behavior? That's the way I thought of it, but I love it when people take these questions and spin them in a new way, because then yeah. I actually like learn stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, if you basically, if I said, oh, let me check my map, and you punch me in the junk, I'd be like, okay, yeah. Let, uh, next time, I would hesitate before doing, because that's the way association works. Um, and I would probably, this is what happens with behavior. If you, so if you reward behavior that you want positively, right, you get more of it. Mm-hmm. And if you punish behavior that you don't want, instead of getting less of it, which you do, you actually get people being more deceptive about that behavior. So I would sneak looks at maps, right? <laughs> I would be under my covers like, oh, yeah, look at that fantasy map, right? Like that would happen more. Okay. And then it would lead to this kind of like dark secret that I'm obsessed with maps and that, you know, I would get punched in the junk. And then maybe after a while I'm like, it's worth it. <laughs> and then it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like it just leads to this really dark fantasy that I don't want to be in. Yeah, so. a great, a great novel, though. <laughs> as long as I had a map. Uh, I'm, I'm going to write this novel now. It's going to be my bow map slash fiction. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm going to call it something like Going South. <laughs> the bow map. Uh, have you ever thought, I like maps too much? How could you like maps too much? <laughs> that oh. answers my question. <laughs> I don't even understand someone who would think that. Like, no, I mean, you is... know what? I have to reevaluate our friendship now because you could think that someone is possible of not liking maps. Well, see, I've been adding this question. Do you like maps? I Maybe like... I should turn the tables. Well, I like maps, <laughs> but I also sometimes get annoyed by them because I am, like you were saying, uh, that you learn a thing by doing it. So sometimes yeah. for me, physically, I'm super that way yeah. that physically looking at a map i it does it helps me comprehend up to a point yeah it's walk better it. for me to go walk it yeah absolutely and there's a certain point like i've looked at the westeros map a little bit i haven't read the game of thrones books i've talked about them with <laughs> right. people the amount it's, of time it's, it's it would funnier. take to read them <laughs> yeah it's funnier um, that you don't know it right that's but i watch the television show <laughs> yeah. and and sometimes i spend time when i'm procrastinating from my actual work yeah looking at the westeros map and after a while I see the amount of time of investment it would take for me to fully yeah. grasp it, and I decide, not I don't en- want that. Yeah, not enough. So it's not a dislike of maps. It's just what, what you have brought up is that connection to it is the key to understanding all of these things culturally and all of our choices, yeah. which is great. But the big picture, I added this question to the podcast recently yeah. because I'm kind of fascinated with the reaction to, the depending on the topic... Okay. Sometimes there are things where people are use their obsession to procrastinate. Oh. A lot of the obsessions that I have are like, that's great, but I'm wasting time from doing things I should do. But the way you're describing it, um, this is an obsession that helps you understand the world, which seems pretty goddamn healthy to me. It, it Sort of, but it does happen. It also is a way of procrastinating, that, thus the word obsession, right? It has a negative connotation. It's not like I am super knowledgeable and expert so on maps. Are you saying you didn't get paid to make the Pan Am map on Photoshop? <laughs> no. <laughs> I wish. Actually, you know, it, now that I think about it, I was on a project at the time, and I was reading, I was reading Hunger Games kind of just on, for fun. Yeah. I wasn't working on, on, on the project. Um, and I lost a day to making that map. Wow. So it, it, it actually does, it is a way of distraction as well, you know, and... Um, yeah, I don't know. I wonder what that means. Now that I'm thinking about it, maybe it's a way, way of finding order. Like if you're lost or sad or depressed or like, I don't want to do this thing or I don't, yeah. have, I don't have enough energy to complete this project. Let me go into this fantasy world where I can like find order and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I can see that. So good and bad. Excellent. Good, good and bad. So I've been, oh, did I just uh, bring it down? No, no, no. Punch the junk. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just both punch our junk right now. <laughs> well, actually, this is a strange segue. I've been asking people to, to punch your junk, to punch the junk, <laughs> to make a noise to sum up their obsession. You know, because it's a podcast to make a noise, and usually it's been really interesting. Cause it, like it's been easy because people have like the singer or pro wrestling or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but what noise can you make to sum up your interest in maps? Uh, 
It would be the sound. Actually, <laughs> it's this kind of pedantic pushing glasses up the nose, nostrily. Actually, uh, exactly. actually, if you if you look at this map, you'll clearly see that it's now in the north. Um, Excellent. Yeah. Uh, before we move on to our final questions, is there anything that you want the world to know about your obsession with maps and or infographics? Uh, it's a good way of understanding the world, man. It's like... Oh, oh, and you know what? Language independent. Ah, uh, ah, uh, yeah, right. That's important. Like if you're if you're trying to convey information to someone who doesn't speak your language, infographics like maps are very useful. Right. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so here are the final questions. They are not necessarily related is rapid to the fire. topic. Is rapid fire as you want. Okay, let's do all this right. thing. If you could make the whole world think the same word or phrase all at once, what would it be? Wow. I have to say peace, right? <laughs> you can say whatever you want. It has to be like just fucking let go, man. Like stop, stop punching each other and like let go. Awesome. If you had the power of flight, but you could only fly if you were holding an object in your hand, what would you want the object to be? The object is what creates the flight, like uh, like a scuba underwater like jet a, thing. It's like a magic rule where like you try to fly without the thing in your hand, and oh, it's it doesn't not work. happening. But as soon as you pick up. Like a thing, yeah. My, my first thing is probably a rubber duck. I'll go with a rubber <laughs> duck. It's just like it's very interesting, especially if I'm flying around. I'm like, am I prone? Is it like prone position, or can I like? No, you can. Do I can fly you want. in any position, right? Sure, yeah. Yeah, so I, I would be sort of like a Captain Morgan pose, like that, you know. <laughs> and then there's a duck in my hand, and it, I fly like that. You fly with like this. So it looks like your your leg is up on something, but it's not. Well, that's the direction in which I'm flying. Okay, you're still yeah. thinking directionally. Yeah, of <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Yeah, of course. And the final question for everyone on the podcast: <laughs> Yes, what is happiness? Happiness? I haven't found happiness. <laughs> <laughs> that is an interesting answer for a guy who loves maps. Um. I should be able to answer this. What is happiness? That's, that's a profound question, man. I know. I'm that's not, why I'm I like not just re- kind of springing it on people. <laughs> like, a comedy podcast. Right, right in the middle of this thing, like, hey, let's talk about obsessions and whatever. It's like, so ball punching, what is happiness? <laughs> exactly. Um, I think happiness is, is honestly finding peace and letting go, I would say. I think it's, I mean, it's probably a metaphysical answer, um, knowing that you can't control the future, really, and you have to let go of the past. That's something I'm working on right now. So I'm trying to find happiness. Awesome. So, yeah. That's a great answer. And I would draw a map, obviously. Help me, <laughs> help me through this journey. And like you can see, this is where I started in like the Valley of Despair. And then like I'm going through this thing and it's like, oh, look, a turn. And, you know, <laughs> sort of like that. That is awesome. Yeah. Thank you very much. That sure. is our podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Here we are at the end of the podcast, and I have some quick plugs for places where you can come see me say comedy things out loud to your faces. Uh, I'll be doing a show here in Los Angeles at the M Bar on May 30th. It's going to be me, the Double Clicks, J. Elvis Weinstein from Mystery Science Theater and Freaks and Geeks, Louis Peitzman from uh, BuzzFeed. He's a senior editor at BuzzFeed, and this show is called Nerd Night Out, and again, that's May 30th. And then I am flying back home to Minneapolis on Saturday, June 7th, and I am doing a show at Comedy Corner Underground, and it is a basement. I will say comedy things to you in this comedy basement. I will say things about what it's like to live in Los Angeles and uh, stuff about fire and sex. So enjoy that. And I want to make this ad specific to the podcast we just recorded. So Bo is going to tell you where you can see me perform based on what district it is. Right. So, so if you're in Panem and you, want, you need to get to M-Bar, you're in District 4. So Finnick is in District 4, which is where we live now. The double, double clicks, however, are from the Pacific Northwest, which is District 7. So okay. I don't want you to be confused. Right. They're actually traveling down to District 4 to do your show. Okay, yeah. great, great. And then the dungeon, as you, as you discovered, <laughs> the, the basement. Dungeon. The, the comedy the, basement. Comedy basement would be in District 9. District the, 9. Yeah, which is the Midwest. And, and how do you know District 9 is the Midwest? So it, District 9 is known for its agriculture, wheat and corn. Um, <laughs> comedy basements. And comedy basements. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Thank you very much. Sure thing.